loving the background. I'm going to jump in with that and just uh, really appreciate the art that is currently on display in my guest's uh, background, not the foreground, but the background. And so really appreciating that and delighted to be talking with comics creator Timothy Fling. Timothy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for jumping in. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. I appreciate being given the chance to talk about the current projects that we're making. And like I say, I, uh, I'm i a big supporter of podcasts and really anything in the creative field. At least I try to be when I can. Yeah, yeah. well, I appreciate the work you do. Um, you've shared a couple of titles with me, Call of the Cryptids and uh, Water Wars being the two that you've shared my way and glad to feature you and uh, appreciate the aesthetics of both of those books and the storytelling that you do. Thanks, man. Thanks. And um, Water Wars is our longest running title that's been going for about four years now. And we are currently in the middle of our uh, what they call a collected trade paperback where all the issues are together for the first time. And that's over on Kickstarter right now. If anybody's so inclined to go over and check that out, there's tons of great rewards that you can get. But the thing about it, that's kind of neat, uh, Jason, is that for the first time, you know, one of the things, maybe you perceive this a little bit, the short stories themselves, it's a, a myriad of different characters. It's not always the same recurring characters. It sometimes mm -hmm. can be, and there's two or three that tend to keep cropping up, but it can be a totally unrelated character and still be in the Water Wars universe. It's a little bit like the the Twilight Zone in that regard, mm -hmm. that the short stories are all self-contained. They're all can be in one issue. And like I say, the issues do kind of connect a little bit. There's what we call inventive connectivity. But if you buy just one issue and you bought number three, well, mm -hmm. there's a story in there. Matter of fact, there's two stories in number three, but it, you don't have to get the other one so that they make sense. It's kind of along the lines of. Well, uh, I sometimes use Isaac Asimov, for an example. He was a mm -hmm. sci-fi writer, and he had sort of his iRobot world. And, you know, all the robots followed the three laws. And there was sometimes some of the same characters, sometimes not. But they all populated this same world, and the same set of, a, same set of rules would apply. And our uh, Water Wars is very much like that. The only thing that is the only common denominator throughout the series is the world. It's something that we're real fond of saying. It's just it's just the place where it's happening. But it is a little bit of what you might call an extended universe. Like when I was a kid, I was always a big fan of the Marvel extended universe. And uh, I'm a little older, so maybe I better explain what I mean real quick. They had a couple of cool titles. One was Marvel Team Up, and that was Spider-Man every month. And he would be with another pal doing some adventures. And then mm -hmm. the other one was called Marvel 2-in-1. And that's been rebooted, I think, once or twice. But the original one was The Thing, who was always my favorite. And he would be teamed up with, you know, and often, he, you know, if he was meeting Spider-Man for the first time, for example, there would be some misunderstanding and they would end up fighting. It was always stuff like that, you know. Yeah, but yeah. My, my point is that they could be walking through each other's world like Daredevil and uh, the thing could be walking down the street and they could bump into the thing. They could, all the superheroes could cross paths at any time. Uh -huh. And it was really, you know, it was to me, that was the fascinating part. Like yeah. I enjoyed all their stories and everything, but I just thought, 
was so cool that they were all on the same beat, so to speak. So in our case, the Water War stories are short stories that take place between the years of 2276 up to, you know, 2288. And they're basically short stories of things that have happened to people during the wars. Not too different if you're familiar with uh, World War Z, for example, is a good uh -huh. example of this. Uh -huh. And especially the book where they had, you know, it was just the stories of people that experienced the zombie war, you know, and like they didn't have to necessarily, the, the guy in the beginning might not have been the guy in the end, you know, it was, it's all, it's all various characters giving their perspective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now remind me of that term that you used, connectivity, but there was another word with it. Well, we say it's inventive. And here's ah, here's what I mean by that is that, you know, let me think of the right way to phrase this. Like a lot of books that you're going to read and a lot of comics are, they come out chronologically. Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, oh, this week we did this. And then the next week we did this. And, and by the way, the two examples that I just mentioned were very much those types of books. Yeah, yeah. But, but in our case, it's not like that. And as a matter of fact, what they've done is they've even gone backwards in some years. Like the first one is 2288. Then issue number two is a prequel. Uh -huh. Then number three is the origin story of, you know, and like what they do, the stories are all self-contained. But if you read number three, you'll be like, oh, so that's why she has one arm. Like you notice in number one, she has one arm. It's never really explained. But if you do keep reading, eventually it comes up in number three and she tells the story. But you have to sort of dig in, if you know what I mean. You have to discover it. It's not, we don't hold you by the hand and say, hey, if you want to learn why she doesn't have, you know, and th this is, oh, that's why that she's immune to the plague, right? That's why uh -huh. she's, oh, so the robots are chasing her because of the blood. They are. Th these things are all connected, but it doesn't really matter. And, you know, it's kind of like the movie screenplay. Look, if you're being chased by robots, that actually is your movie. It doesn't matter that the reason they're chasing you is because your blood contains the DNA that is the immune from the plague. And like, there's all these reasons why, but none of that matters for the adventure. Now, uh -huh. like I say, uh -huh. if you start to dig in and read into the lore, there's enough there that'll really interest those kinds of people, you know, like I'm really into lore and world building and story and the connectivity, but we don't make you do it. It's something that you discover as you go. And even like I say, the stories themselves, this is probably the most challenging part is they don't go in chronological order. You know, uh -huh, they kind of uh -huh. skip around a little bit. Like one will show you how the robot was born and the next one, it's almost the whole way to the end where it's, you know, they've almost reached the goal and it kind of, it kind of jumps around, which I think that can be, in a week, in a monthly issue, it's okay. But when you collect them all together in a trade, I think it can be a, a disservice. But our goal was always the same. It isn't, uh, this is for the Water Wars series, which this one's different. Mm -hmm. Anytime you sit down to read one, you can just read a chunk and you've read a story. Like you don't have to read through six chapters before anything makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, and that's a nice thing. I remember growing up reading comics and, you know, as you mentioned, you'd pick up a number three, but you really kind of needed the connection to the story that came before or after to right. fully get it. And you might not have gotten that at the time because comics were not necessarily as immediately available as they are now. Right. Yeah. You have to kind of <laughs> go out and uh, dig through some boxes a little bit for the next couple of months. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Or just sort of make it up in your head and go, well, maybe that's what happened. Uh, but I love that approach and curious about 
um, the creative team and, and how the creative team has sort of come together. This is the shout out to the band sort of question. Uh, uh, th thanks for asking me this. And you see that I advertise now under the imprint of Earth Dog Studios, which is essentially, it, you know, it's a very small production company. In my case, it's not even an LLC. I'm what you would call a sole proprietor. Mm -hmm. the very the very smallest kind there is and um but what's happened over the course of six years or so i started out by uh i had been submitting scripts i had been a short story writer and i had been making a script for an animated television series and, and th these are what they call pitches and then you write your pitch and then you give it to a fella who goes into this room full of suits kind of and he uh -huh. explains it to them in like this animated way and he's even got like music playing and sometimes they'll have what they call storyboards he'll show the scenes right so the year that i did there used to be a tv network on it was called spike tv do you remember it, it was like, i remember spike tv <laughs> yeah yeah they, they didn't last very long <laughs> but um they were sort of doing I don't know if you'd call it adult, but like a mature animation. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And they were doing, uh, one was Gary the Rat. That was Kelsey Grammer. He was kind of famous at the time. He had a TV show called Frasier. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Then there was another one called Stripperella. And that was the one about a like a statuesque blonde stripper warrior character who uh -huh. was based, it was uh, Pamela Anderson had a piece of that you see they're being promoted by celebrities a little bit uh -huh. the other one was the new adventures of ren and stimpy which was being rebooted that's uh -huh. bob camp's property right and that has been con continuously done very well and then the uh the fourth one that was up for the pitch was socket this which is america's first metal band it was a rock band of robots uh -huh, uh -huh. And they all had kind of funny personalities and whatnot. One was an alien. One was just a brain in a robot body. Uh, one was like a cute R2-D2 and he played the drums. You get the idea. Yeah, yeah. And hey, man, we're so sure this is going right to the top, right? Well, anyway, I'd been through probably three of these and was rejected each time. And um, there was even, I had even written a couple of interstitials for the 90s tv version of the teenage mutant ninja turtles uh -huh, uh -huh. and yeah that was pretty popular at the time and, uh -huh. and by the way i all, all of mine were i had an end into the writing area but it, to make a long story short all mine were rejected for that too <laughs> so uh, i mean i'm gonna say, i was gonna say it's a writing story i guess for people that are listening the beginning of my story is not too interesting because it's a story where and then um I was at a free comic book day. I've always been a huge comic fan. If you guys, uh -huh. I should get that clear up front. And I was meeting with a friend who ended up being Martin Dunn, who's a musician these days. But it was, we were in Tampa, Florida at free comic book day. And hey, what do you do, man? And he, he had a tattoo. It was Miracle Man on his tattoo. I'm a huge Miracle Man fan. Yeah, and yeah, yeah the Alan Moore version. And, uh -huh. and he goes, uh, Oh, I'm a, I'm a comic book maker. You know, I, I publish comic books. And I said, wow, hey, I'm a writer. You know, I make these scripts and whatnot. And you, you always kind of want to make it sound like you're doing a little bit better than you're doing. But, right. but, yeah, I'm sure he knew that I wasn't exactly, you know, burning up the charts. or I wouldn't have been pitching it at a comic book store in Tampa, Florida. But he goes, hey, well, you know, why don't you send me a script? Listen, I work with these teams of artists. 
but what we don't have are writers. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Wow, great. Okay, man, I submit a script. I send it off to him. I don't think too much about it. I bet you about a month and a half goes by, six weeks. I can remember it clearly still now. This would have been 2015. And man, the sun was going down. It was almost Halloween. The phone rings. I answer the phone. It's Martin Dunn. And he says, Tim, man, we're going to make your book. This is the publisher was called CAE, Con Artist Entertainment, like a comic convention, Con uh -huh, Artist. Uh -huh, nice, nice. And uh, and they had, actually had a couple books that were moderately successful. They did Joshua Black. That one did pretty well. Um, I'm going to forget the names now, but mine was Socket, and it was an all-robot rock band. And also they solved interdimensional mysteries. They were kind of spooky and funny. Like it was, it was not a serious book, mm -hmm. if you know what I'm saying. It had a little bit of the Simpsons, a little bit of the Turtles. You know, it's leaning toward comedy, I guess you'd say. Not quite comedy, but, you know, nobody's any real danger in Socket. And it's always yeah. atomic rays are causing some problem, that kind of thing, you know. And, um, well, we had a terrific time making it. And we got the whole way through the process. And, of course, there's nothing like that feeling. You get the first one in your hand and you're like, wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I... Uh, I was, in, you know, I try to tell interesting stories for, uh, you know, uh, podcast listeners, and I have one. So I go to a convention, and I'm at, uh, this is the MegaCon. This is in Orlando, Florida. And it was my first time there. And I'm, yeah, there was so much going on. And they said, look, we want you to come to the booth. You're actually one of our clients now, and you can blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm just, my head spinning, because this is also new to me, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm walking around through the artist alley and I go to a couple of big publishers and one of them was there was Walter Osley, whose work I'd always admired and a super nice guy. And I, I always admired his work and I, Oh, Hey, I really like your book. I'm flipping through his stuff. And he says, so what are you, what are you doing here? And I said, well, you're not going to believe this. I'm a writer. I said, I, I submitted a script for this book and I made a comic book out of it. He's mm -hmm. like, Oh, wow, that's really cool. What's it about? And I said, oh, it's this uh, it's this robot rock band and they're they're hijacking a spaceship to get to the moon and they encounter these monsters. And he goes, hey, wait, you're the socket guy. And he pulls the book out. Oh, how nice. How and nice. he had one and he'd read it. And I was just like, <laughs> and, and, and by the way, he also was very kind because, you know, he's pretty farther along in his career and he's very successful webtoon guy and he publishes his own line. He does covers for Scout like he's he does great. And um, and I think his main thing is now that he's like a teacher. I think he's teaching other people how to make comics. But nice, nice. he said to me, basically, the gist was keep going. You know, this is your first one. It doesn't suck too bad. You know, keep going. Because <laughs> because I look back at it now and I'm, you know, Jason, I'm embarrassed of that first book. Right. And when I say embarrassed, not embarrassed isn't the right word. But, creatively you know, reflective and <laughs> right 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 because yeah, yeah. we learn so much and, and to get back to your question so how does that tie into the water wars which is really the kind of the thing that it, it might be kind of fair to say that's what i'm known for mm -hmm. and so we make these socket books with the publisher and i go hey i could probably do this myself and there was a guy on facebook who's artwork I like, I, I reached out to him, Elton Tomasi. And I said, Hey, Elton, would you like to work on a book like this? And he kind of walked me through the steps also of how you work a little bit more closely with a writer and artist together. We learned some synergy and we made that issue number two together. And then we started, and again, that did pretty well. And, I, and people were starting to notice I was making stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I can remember we were making number three 
And there was a guy who drew some fan art for us and it was brilliant. And I mean, it was just a brilliant art piece. And I was starting to attract the attention of artists. And I said to the guy, I said, Bruno, I said, I'm thinking of starting another series. And here's what I'm thinking. I don't even know if I can afford your cover rates, but what I want to do is make these short stories. They'll be eight pages or 16 pages, each one. So it always forms a comic. And because they're typically 24 pages, if viewers don't know that. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Like if you have 20, your book's too short. You know what I mean? You get you got to have at least 24. That's one man's opinion. You can task me in the comments, I guess, if you like. <laughs> but I said, Bruno, I don't know if I can afford your rates, but what I want to do, I want to make the best stories we can possibly make. And we'll put the best artist we can on the project. And then we'll put the best colorist on. And then we'll put a professional designer so it looks super slick, like a real book. Mm -hmm. And anyway, that ended up being Water Wars number one, and that, which is the one that you see behind me here on the banner. Mm -hmm. And that was 2019. We took it to the Baltimore Comic-Con. And this one, almost right away, people were like, wow, this is pretty good. And, you know, because like it was, you can see the loving care that were put into the pages. And it it's like if you're playing golf, by the time you get to the seventh or eighth round of golf, you start to improve a little bit. Right, and right. then. Yeah. So each time we're starting to put out a little bit better stories, a little bit better artwork. We're doing splash pages and Chrome logos and stuff like that. And then shortly after that, uh, I discovered Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then um, so now I raise most of my money for the projects online and all of my art team. We just made the graphic for the uh, project. It's 18 people totally that have worked on Water Wars stories. Wow. That's in total over four years. That's nine short stories. And some have ended up in various books other than my own. Like they were submitted for publication for anthologies. I got a couple of those. I got one in Travis Gibbs book, his uh, collective book that he does. I got one in Russell Nolte's book last year, his Lovecraft anthology. If there's, if there's Lovecraft fans listening, I do have a Lovecraft story. And that was kind of neat too, because it was on brand. Mine is the sci-fi short story in the Lovecraft anthology. And, um, and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It was, it was well-received. And when I say well-received enough to where they're critically well-received, which is generally reviewers saying something nice about it, which they did in this case, or sometimes people even write to me and they say, Hey, when is this going to be available in your books? Because all of them are loosely tied together. They're all apocalyptic. So if you like apocalyptic fiction, you'll like the Water Wars series. And sometimes they're fighting because they're all out of water. Sometimes it's a, a terrible snowstorm. It, it's always some apocalyptic event. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, but, and driving plot force by all means. Yeah, and it, it's something where there are a couple of uh, ongoing female protagonists. Like there is uh, the essential plot is it's an unprepared young woman is trying to find her brother who she's lost during this pandemic. Uh -huh. And the, 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 sh the short version is she's the one who her father was the scientist. That's why she's not getting sick. She's had this vaccination that works. That's why her blood is immune to the plague. That's why the government starts to chase her. That's why the robots start to chase her. And of course she just keeps running. All she knows is civilization is collapsing, you know, so the, the the stories all tie in, though, and, you know, it's kind of like. It's what you might say, it's an episodic format, like similar to something like The Twilight Zone or 
uh, a Saturday morning TV show. Like it's, you know, the characters a little, but it's a half hour episode and then it's over. And then, you know, your next one's another episode, sort of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I love the creative vision and I'm curious where people can go. Um, where are the best spaces where people can check out the work? In my case, um, probably my best retail platform is Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. But I'm mostly on the web, right? Like I do, uh, my imprint is Earth Dog Studios. So I have earthdogstudios.com. I also am on YouTube fairly regularly and um, they have what they call a handle. Now my handle is, my handle is at Timothy Fling. Okay. I will tag you when, when this goes on YouTube as well. And I, I don't, I'm, you know, I don't have thousands of followers. I'm still relatively new to this, but the followers that I do have, I'm so grateful for, you know, they keep coming back and I have returned customers and like, Hey, I like the other one. Especially when people say things like, oh, I liked the other one because, you know, I'll without generating too much controversy, you know, the comic medium in particular has been going through some struggles the last couple of years. Right. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I don't necessarily know the cause of this. And I certainly don't know the solution. If I knew the solution, I'd be a millionaire. Right. (laughs) But I I know that I'm old school in that mine are they're short stories that are illustrated at the end of the day. They're short stories that are illustrated and it isn't, uh, you know, my, my uh, genre isn't, heroes necessarily again there's nothing wrong with that if some if that is what someone's doing but they lean really hard into sci-fi female protagonists there's nobody necessarily has any powers or anything except there is such a thing as robot enhancements and this kind of you know cyberpunkish attachments but there's nothing along the lines of you know i can fly or i get x-ray vision right that they're just trying to survive yeah yeah um curious about by means of a sort of a parting question you'd also shared with me call of the cryptids any anything that you'd like to share about that particular title or uh others that folks might want to check out sure that was one that uh the other fellow who i work with quite a bit is erwin arosa um he's the other image you can see on the banner behind me the black and white robot Mm-hmm. And I loved his artwork so much. We always want to have ongoing titles together. So we do have, uh, he's half the publishing arm of the Water Wars Chronicles, which is the other half of our series. And he also does Call of the Cryptid, which is a book just chock full of UFOs, monsters, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. Every weird thing is in this book. Mm-hmm. And there's also music references. And it's kind of, as I'm fond of saying, it's our weird book. Like if you, yeah, if you like stuff like Grant Morrison, Doom Patrol, and you know, where the writing's just a little bit out there, like, mm-hmm. you know, not totally over the edge, but like, it's weird. Like it, it's, it's definitely, like I say, there's UFOs in it, uh, Bigfoot's in it. He turns out he's a good guy. The, the men in black are in it. They have a sinister agenda against the human race. It's all deeply conspiracy laden sci-fi. Love it. Yeah, and it's got some cool visuals too. Like, we got some trick shots with the visuals. We got some full painted panels. We got some neat lighting effects, stuff like that. You know, we're very cognizant. Of course, that's an Earth Dog Studios product, 
mm-hmm. when you make books a certain way, you get known for making them that way. So what we do is it's all upgraded paper. It's all upgraded lighting and color. It's it's like when we have a successful Kickstarter, we spend all the money on the production of the book. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, well, Timothy, thank you for the time. Thank you for the things you're doing for the comics medium. Uh, the stories that you're sharing, anything that we missed in the talk through that you want to make sure to share before we go? No, I I, uh, I really want to say thank you so much for inviting me and having me on. It means a great deal to me. And I'm grateful for the support. I never guessed in my life that this is what was going to happen to me. And I, to be honest with you, I still don't even really believe it. But it's <laughs> it's something that's happening. And he, here we go. Again, Water Wars, the collected edition is live right now. So if you think you might be interested in the kind of thing that we're talking about, um, this is their time where it is something they're all collected together. And they have a digital level that's $5 is where it starts. So it's very affordable. And we have it all the way up to, you know, Chrome embossed logo commemorative books that are you get the two books set for 44 dollars, and they're, they're they're beautiful they're super nice but that's what they're known for is quality artwork uh quality writing and it'll be a a well-developed professional product at the end very cool very cool well glad to have you back anytime and thank you. may the stories continue thank you kindly 